Tell me who hath believed, hath believed our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church here in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And I'd like to begin today's program with a beautiful song done by Terry and the Browns with Paul Peters called Holy Highway. Holy Highway comes right out of Isaiah 35, and that is a beautiful chapter that starts with the desert rejoicing and blossoming as a rose. And in that chapter, it talks about the eyes of the blind being opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame man shall leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. The last verse of that chapter states, And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion, with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. You know, that comes to us through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let this song minister to you the anointing as you listen.
God for the anointing on this music. You know, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. I'm going to revisit one of the aspects of the death of Jesus that we just touched on the last time. And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you really believe the Bible? Do you really believe it? Isaiah 48 is a remarkable verse. It says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The word of our God shall stand forever. John 10, 34, Jesus is speaking, and he answered them, and he said, Is it not written in your law, I said you are God's? If he then called them God's, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Jesus himself said the scripture cannot be broken. And he again in Luke 4, 4 said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Do you really believe the Bible? Do you believe the Bible above what you believe otherwise? Do you believe that the Bible is above science? Do you believe the Bible is above medicine? Do you believe the Bible is above your feelings? Do you believe the Bible is above your emotions? Do you believe that that word of God is above everything else? Let's see. I'm going to go to Acts 2 again. And this is Peter speaking. And in beginning in verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. So these people have seen Jesus and the miracles that he did. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, have you taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him. Now this is David. Peter is quoting David from Psalm 16, beginning in verse 8. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Look at this next part. Moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope. My flesh, this is Jesus speaking out of Psalm 16. Moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Let's take a look at those two verses. Verse 26. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. This is Jesus speaking out of Psalm 16. And he is saying that his flesh shall rest in hope. When did his flesh rest in hope? When Jesus' soul and spirit was in hell. Let's read to the next verse. Because thou will not leave my soul in hell. This is Jesus speaking. Peter relays that. Because thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Peter is saying right here that Jesus' body when it was laying in the grave, did not see corruption. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus' body did not see corruption above what your head tells you science tells you? 
Could the word of God be above your science? Could it be above your medical background? Could the word of God be above anything else? You know, at one place, God is talking about the word of God. And he said that he put the word above all his name. The word of God is above our science. It's above our emotions. It's above what we see. It's above what we hear. And right here, the word of God says that Jesus flesh did not see corruption when it was lying in the grave. You know, Psalm 49, 9 states that he should still live forever and not see corruption. Let's go back to Acts 2, and I'm going to continue on in verse 29. Men and brethren, this is Peter talking again. Let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn an oath unto him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Verse 31, he seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, and notice the next part, neither his flesh did see corruption. And you say, oh, that can't be totally true. It's all some corruption. The word of God does not say that. Listen, saints, the word of God does not say that. You have to put the word of God above your science, above your emotions, above your medical background, above all your backgrounds. The word of God has to be above what you believe. Do you believe this? Do you actually believe that that body laid in the grave for three days and saw no corruption? Well, the word of God says it so. Now, why is that so important? Why should we care if we believe or not that Jesus' body rested in hope that it saw no corruption while Jesus' soul and spirit was in hell? Let's go right back to one of our favorite verses, Romans 1.16. Paul speaking, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That word ashamed means ashamed, and it also means not afraid to trust in it. We are not afraid to trust in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the part where his body did not see corruption is part of that gospel. Why are we not afraid to trust in the gospel? Let's go on in verse 16. For it is the power of God unto salvation, unto anything we need from God, to everyone that believeth. Do you know to believe the word of God, to say that you're a believer, to say that you believe that Bible, you have to believe that the body of Jesus saw no corruption. And if you meditate on it and you consider it, what a beautiful thing that is. What a miraculous thing that is. The power of God kept a body without a soul and without a spirit in it. It kept a body without corruption. That body rested in hope that Jesus was coming back. He was coming out of the grave. He was coming out of hell. And that body was waiting for him. That is a marvelous, beautiful, wonderful thing to trust in. 
And what happens when we believe that gospel? What happens when we believe that Jesus died? He was buried. He went to hell and that body saw no corruption. What happens? It is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God is what brings us what we need. The power of God is given to us by the gospel to supply anything we need. You know, one of the very first miracles I witnessed was back in the mid-70s, and I was attending a small church in Rootstown, Ohio. And there was a couple there that wanted children, and they were not successful in having any. And the, the man finally went to a physician, and the physician told him that he would never be able to have children because his sperm count was too low. I remember they were unhappy. It hurt the message that the physician gave them. But you know, the man's mother was a woman that attended that church. She had some faith. And she kept telling that man, and she kept telling her daughter-in-law, that look, it only takes one. She would say to them, look, let's trust God. It only takes one sperm. That's what she would tell them. I heard the story. I heard it from her. She said, let's trust God. It only takes one sperm. And you know, when I left that church, when it was time for me to move, that daughter-in-law was carrying her third child. Now, what gave that body of his and hers the power to produce a child? That death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus died for them. That he carried the weakness of his body and her body on the cross. And he took that weakness, bore it on his own body, went to hell for them and us, rose from the dead, made his dead body alive. And that power that made Jesus' body, dead body, alive is the same power that made that man's body alive. And they ended up with three children. Saints, this is what we put our trust in. This is what we believe. We believe on what happened to Jesus on the cross when he died, when he was buried, and when he was raised again. And when we believe, when we trust in that above anything that we know or see or hear, that power that raised Jesus from the dead will manifest for us the same way it manifested for Jesus when he came out of the grave. This is Easter weekend, and I would like to continue with the perfect Easter message. And I'm going to be reading from Luke 16, beginning in verse 19. And this is Jesus speaking. He said, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now let's take a look at this next verse, verse 23. The rich man. And in hell he lift up his eyes, 
thing in torments. And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus. Look at this, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. This is the rich man in hell. And yes, saints, there is a hell. The father would not have sent his son to die, be buried, go to hell, and rise again if there wasn't a hell to save us from. We have to pay attention that there is a hell and that we can go there. You know, hell wasn't made for us. It was made for the devil and his angels. But man sends himself there when he won't believe. But do you know what? We don't have to go there. We don't have to go there. Jesus went there for us. You know, Jesus is relaying this story about Lazarus and the rich man and the rich man going to hell. And why he was relaying that story, he knew he was headed there. Let's take a look at Psalm 88. And I'm going to read about four verses. I'm going to read verse 6 and 7. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit. This is Jesus in hell. And he was in the lowest pit. It goes on to say in darkness, in the deeps. Verse 7, thy wrath lieth hard upon me. Jesus is talking about the wrath of God lying hard on him. Thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. This is Jesus in hell after he had died on the cross. Verse 16, thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy tears have cut me off. They came about me daily like water. They compassed me about together. This is Jesus in hell. And how do we know Jesus went to hell? Let's go back to Acts Acts 2 like we did earlier. And I'm going to begin reading from verse 25. This is Peter talking. And he's talking about David. And he's talking from Psalm 16. For David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Now notice the first part of verse 27. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Verse 31. He seeth this before he spoke of the resurrection of Christ. Listen, that his soul was not left in hell. Jesus went to hell for you and I so that we don't have to go there. Now, how do we stay out of there? You know, it is not that difficult, saints. Let's go to Romans 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is what is all that is required of us to stay out of hell. Nowhere does it say that we have to confess all our sins to be born again. Nowhere does it say that we have to do anything but believe. To believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and confess that Jesus is Lord out of our mouth. And that, that my friends, will keep you out of hell. I would now like to share a song with you done in the style that I grew up with in a little church with just a piano. The song is What a Day That Will Be. And a lot of you will remember this song. It is ministered here by Glenda Shane from Frystap, Missouri. 
Glenda is the youngest sister of Dole Davidson, president of this ministry. They both share a father that had some faith, part of the reason that they're both here. Sing along with her if you remember the words. to finish this program with a beautiful song done by Kathy Mai, Behold the Lamb. Sleep from the 
Thank you for joining me and the musicians from Water of Life Church. I would love to hear from you. You may reach me by email at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, at Kathy Davidson, W-O-L.com, or you may write me at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, P.O. Box 861327, Plano, Texas, 75086. You may find me on the Internet at www.kathydavidsonwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.